back huge seed pods. This must be the way that putty in my closet was formed. Miles, where do they come from? I don't know. If they are seeds or seed pods, they must grow someplace on a plant, probably. And somebody or something wants this duplication to take place. But when they're finished, what happens to our bodies? I don't know. When the process is completed, probably the original is destroyed or disintegrates. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are now past episode 100, and so we're kind of rolling into our new format here. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) the new format is not really that different from the old format. It's just, when appropriate, we're going to break things up into two episodes. And in this case, uh, we're finally picking up a title that uh, I had wanted to do since year one. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> i was i was listening back to our day of the triffids episode a while back which was episode 10 and we talked about things that we wanted to do in the next 10 and colin i think you mentioned enemy mine and james mentioned total recall and i mentioned invasion of the body snatchers well we did enemy mine and we did total recall but we've been kicking body snatchers down the road <laughs> for a long time and part of the reason is that it's a full-length novel, not a very long novel, but it is a novel, and it's been adapted at least four times. And so that's uh, it's an undertaking. And so I thought it made sense for our first post-100 episode to be on that topic. And so for this one, we're not going to cover everything. We're going to cover the book, and we're going to cover the movie that was adapted from a book. Uh, and we will talk about that because the <laughs> publication history is kind of interesting. Yes. Uh, the book is called The Body Snatchers, and it's 1954 uh, novel that was serialized over three issues of Collier's Weekly uh, in the yeah 1954 November and December issues. That's correct. And then it was fixed up into a 1955 novel uh, from Dell Books, and then subsequently revised in 1978, I think, and then perhaps further later. But I know 1978 it was revised. So the fact is, we all read the 1978 version, right? I did, yeah, or or right. later, right? And uh, so it's not really fair to judge a 1956 film adaptation (laughs) against the 1978 novel, uh, because we don't know what's different. But we'll talk about that. And as I mentioned, we we will also talk about the 1956 movie titled Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Do you guys know why it was titled Invasion of the Body Snatchers? (laughs) Yes, I do. You do? Okay. Well, we'll talk about that when we get... Actually, no. Just fire away. It's because the other four movie titles stank. (laughs) What were were they? (laughs) Well, okay, so we, we should take a step back. I'm, okay. I'm being flippant. <laughs> it turns out that a couple years prior to the release of this movie, there was a different movie release called The Body Snatcher. Right. And they didn't. They thought The Body Snatchers Ooh. was too close. And so there were two uh, movie titles suggested by the producer and two movie titles suggested by the studio. And they did stink. And so they went with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Wait, so are you going to leave us in suspense or are you going to tell us what those other two, or I guess uh, other four titles were? Let me pull up a Wikipedia page. Okay. So here's here's you know where I wish we had infinite resources and infinite time to do research because it yes. would be tons <laughs> of fun. In 1987, there was a book chronicling everything you would want to know about the body snatchers and their invasion mm-hmm. and everything else. And some of that knowledge uh, is on the Wikipedia page for it. You can mm-hmm. read it and you'll see that it's quoted like nine or ten times. Okay. You're talking about the book that you sent me the link for. Yes. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, uh, a lot of this stuff is documented in there, so I'll, I'll find it real quick. Okay. The original movie titles were... Wait, did you say there was a, there was a movie that went through all the explaining stuff, or, or like a book or something? Like, a book. A book. A book. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Back in those days, DVD extras were called books. <laughs> <laughs> the producer offers were Better Off Dead and Sleep No More. Wow. And the movie theater, or the, excuse me, the studio Terrible. offers were... Evil in the Night and World in Danger. That's also true. Evil in the Night, <laughs> Exchanging Bodies. And for the record, Better Off Dead is a very funny movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Although these days, I'm sure that it would come under a lot of fire for having a main character that jokingly tries to commit suicide a number of times. Well, yeah. I think there's, help there's out a there. lot, of, lot of older movies that come under fire just for being yeah. older. Yeah. And I totally get it because, you know. Yeah. Suicide is not a joking map. That's right. No, it is not. Right. Previous history with body snatchers of various kinds. I guess, yeah, we can talk about any of it that we have previous history with. So, Colin? I've told the story about watching a movie through the crack in my bedroom door when I was really, really young and being <laughs> scared and you know, having my parents come in and realizing that I was you know, watching movies with them 
eight, nine, ten o'clock at night when right. I should be asleep. I'm pretty sure this was the movie. Nice. <laughs> Actually, it, it might have been the 1977 movie. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's it. I had never read the book. I've never watched the movies from beginning to end. Any of the four um, that are directly attributed or any of the other semi-related. Okay. What about you, James? Book, movies, any of it? I'm trying to remember, but I don't really remember watching any of them, actually. Okay. But I, I feel like I'm very much culturally aware of them. Right. But honestly, if it's been that long, I don't remember. I've seen them. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the Donald Sutherland hair and mustache was a moment. So everybody's aware of that. Yeah. See, I feel like I think, I feel like that's the movie I've seen, but honestly, mm-hmm. it's been so long that I, I can't remember. Yeah. I do remember watching the 1978 movie on TV. Um, my dad was a big fan of Invasion of the Body Centers. And that's one of those, you know, James, you brought it up at some point uh, not too long ago about the missing my dad and his contributions mm-hmm. to this because he was a science oh, fiction right. fan. And so I'm sure he saw the original movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I yeah. remember talking about Invasion of Body Snatchers and being very, very much aware of it and then finally seeing it on television. But it, yeah, it kind of freaked <laughs> me out. But it wasn't the 56 version. It was the 1978. So it was probably a yeah, oh, TV movie, okay. right? Right, right. But uh, I think inter- it's gotten... And although we're we're ahead of ourselves, mm-hmm. I, I think the movies have gotten more progressively horrific as time goes by. Sure, yeah, kind of leaning into the the horror. Right. Of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. And we'll talk about more of that kind of in the next episode. Uh, so let's start talking about the novel then, right? The See? novel, yes, yeah. Uh, interesting. So there's a couple of facts actually about uh, Collier's magazine. Um, it was founded in 1888, Collier's was, Collier's Weekly. And during oh, World War II, wow. it had two and a half million weekly subscribers, which is a lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, well, I, I guess we can we can talk about this, that if you are diligent and in searching for Collier's Magazine, um, Collier's Magazine is defunct. It, it went out of business a long time ago. There was an attempt to resurrect it, and there is still a website for it, but I'm not sure that it's still a going concern in any way. Um, because I filled out their contact form and said, hey, any digital archives by any chance? 1954, winter? Um, and I'd love to get those. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And didn't, didn't hear anything back. But uh, I did quite a lot of sleuthing and found there was a page that I'm not going to publicize. If you want to do your own sleuthing, you can, because obviously it's probably still within copyright. I don't know. Um, but that had PDFs of those magazines so that we could take a look at it. And uh, one of the full page ads <laughs> when I was paging through there was for Collier's Encyclopedia. And we had those. <laughs> we had like 1970 oh, really? Collier's Encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah. All black and white, all black and white photos in it. Um, you know, not, not as good as like your world book encyclopedia or anything like that. Right. But uh, I used it for a lot Encyclopedia of, uh, Britannica. Back, back when the internet was, was called encyclopedias. Um, <laughs> I used that for, yeah. for a lot of reports in, in school. So- one of the questions here, right, because what we have is a 1954 novel serialized and then turned into a book and then subsequently revised, and that's the version we read. And so then 1956 movie, how do we know how close it was to the original if we can't get back to the original? And the, the actual 1955 versions of the book are kind of hard to come by. You can find them on you know book exchanges and um, used book places and eBay and that kind of stuff, depending on how much you're willing to pay. <laughs> yeah, but they're collectibles at this right. point. They are. Yeah. 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 Um, so I did take a look and we, we can talk about some of the differences um, as we go. Um, actually, I guess right now is, is a, as good a time as any, right? I won't talk about any specifics of plot, but um, I can say just from paging through the first couple chapters, just one at a time and comparing it with the revised version, it's it's just kind of typical stuff you'd see in a revision where stuff is slightly rephrased. There's a little more expansion on a couple of things. Um, like when miles is having his first con, uh, conversation with uncle Ira, that's a little, mm-hmm. a little more fleshed out, but, uh, hmm. but yeah, no, nothing earth shattering in there as far as I can tell, <laughs> though it was also relocated. Yeah. Relocated. Because, yeah. The original novel is set in, uh, what's it, what's it called? Mara. Miri. Santa Mira. Santa Mira. Yes. Whereas uh, oh, the really? revised novel is in Mill Valley. Ah, so the the movie is more canonical than the revised novel? Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. it's. I mean, it's based on the original source, right? So, although from what I understand, they had wanted to set the movie in Mill Valley. They oh. had, but it was too expensive. Okay. Really? It's, uh, oh, wow. it, it's kind of a cool thing to read old books, older books, and look at older movies to get a, a feel for how things have changed over time. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. this movie was shot in 23 days. Right. 
the budget oh, yeah. was low six figures. Yeah. And <laughs> they had to choose between Mill Valley, which which I don't think is a great big place, and like three or four other locations in the California area. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that is any of this stuff that's in your funny. neck of the woods, James? Uh, yeah, that's all in North, North Bay, like Northeast. Okay. Yeah, North Bay. Yeah. Interesting. That's one of the the interesting things about the subsequent remakes is they move from the small town into larger city, but still in the same right. area. Right. So hmm. yeah, so all the places he all the places he was talking about the train and stuff like that. I I knew it was like Marin County and like Marin and all that. It's so, like you know just, that's all just north of San Francisco. Hmm. Like you cross the Golden Gate Bridge going north, that's Marin right there. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Did I did I mention that it's Jack Finney? Jack Finney is the author. I'm not sure I did, but it is. <laughs> you did. You mentioned it. There we go. Okay, good. I think we talked more about Colliers than he did Jack Finney. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Colliers, <laughs> um, you know, they're back back in those days, authors, you know, science fiction authors in particular, you know, they could they could write stuff for the pulps and get paid pennies for it, or they could try and shoot for the more you know, legit magazines and Collier's was actually one of the legit magazines. Um, and they, they also published uh, Kurt Vonnegut. They published Ray Bradbury. They published Kipling. So, so yeah, more respectable kind of stuff than the pulps back in those days. Right. So do we want to give like a brief plot synopsis of the novel? And in this case, it's of the novel and the movie. And then we can just talk about the differences in the movie, but sure. Let's see. So we start out in a Northern California town. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and people start finding out that their loved ones don't quite seem normal or seem like their loved ones suspecting that they're not normal, right suspecting that uh well yeah they don't know what they really expect so they go to the town doctor you know to to hey you know report this and find help in some way yeah hey sawbones can you help me with my Marital problems. <laughs> my uncle's personality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess the doctor, yeah, turns into like the main character, right? And he's got mm-hmm. his f- female counterpart. And they do some sleuthing around town and find out that people are being replaced by vegetable versions of themselves. So you're saying this is this is canonical with uh, the first adaptation of The Thing. I'm saying it's a veggie tale. <laughs> <Okay>. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, now that you mentioned it, that's, that's a good point. Not too far mm-hmm. close. <laughs> or not too yeah. close. Yeah. Not too <laughs> far from it. There you go. Yeah. Right. So then it's just a matter of getting, trying to get the word out and trying right. to escape when everyone around you is potentially uh, out to get you. Mm-hmm. Well, just remember- because you're paranoid doesn't mean the pod people aren't out to get you. That's true. Check your closet. Check your basement. Right. <laughs> Don't sleep. <laughs> yeah. that, that reminds me of an anecdote about something that happened during the movie, the filming of the movie. I have it down later, so okay, we will right. talk about it. I was thinking how improbable that would be for the three of us. Why is that? Well, I, I would expect our spouses to say that we are already weird. Well, yeah. And so, so Ooh, if they went to the doctor and said, "Husband, <laughs> my you know, doctor, my husband is weird," mm-hmm. they would look at you and say, "Isn't that normal?" Aren't they normally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. It's funny because, you know, we also did, we did an episode, you know, a long time ago on the Stepford Wives, which is a different sort of thing, right? Where it's right. somebody deliberately replacing their significant other. True. Yeah. Good point. Where here it's, I don't like it because they're different. I'm trying to think how everything was wrapped up in the novel versus wrapped up in the movie. And I guess it wasn't quite similar. Yeah, we can, we can talk about that I'm as sure we, we get go. To that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do, re- I do remember thinking to myself as I was reading the book, like, what would I do in that case? Like, who do you tell? Right. Right. Like, who would you go to to sol- help solve this problem? Mm-hmm. You know, as um, as uh, the doctor, because I forget his name, Manel and his psychiatry friends, like, they were talking about this. Or mm-hmm. he, was, he was going back and forth with Jack. That's what it was, right? He was talking to Jack, and they're like, do we call the FBI? Do we call the Army? Right. Do, like, who do we, like, who can we go to solicit help for this? Yeah. Well, it's and, one of those things too, where like you can rewatch it or like reread it and go at what point was, uh, Manny, his psychologist friend, mm-hmm. you know, was right. he ever really human? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> because by the time the word gets around to miles and miles is reluctant to believe it, um, because, right, uh, his, right. his old, old flame recently divorced and he's recently divorced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky Driscoll comes back to town and tells him that her friend, uh, what is it? Her cousin, Wilma. Wilma, yeah. Right. Her cousin, that's right. Uh, suspects that her uncle Ira is not really her uncle Ira. And, yeah. you know, he's he's kind of doing the skeptical doctor kind of thing going, 
Yeah. Is this lady just hysterical? The way men do, you know? Right. A <laughs> little bit of gaslighting, little mansplaining. <laughs> yep. A yep, little bit, a little bit, yeah. Which yep. <laughs> Emily was eye-rolling the entire time through the movie. <laughs> right, right. And then, yeah, we have, we have, so this is told in first person. Miles, Miles Bennell is your, your main character. But we also have a character named Jack, who's an author who lives in Mill Valley. <laughs> quite similar to the, the autobiography of uh, one Jack Finney. So, and uh, his wife, Theodora, who's goes by Teddy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Although in the book, I feel like they just mainly call her Theodora. In the movie, Maybe. I think they call yeah. her Teddy. Which I kept reading as Theodosia. <laughs> yeah. Theodosia. Right, exactly. <laughs> You've been watching too much Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> Eventually, right, Jack contacts him and says, uh, you might want to take a, come take a look at this cliche, right? right. And, and so yeah. he goes over to Jack's house, and this is where they find the first copy, right? But it's not fully formed. By the way, we're going full spoilers. And we didn't actually yes. talk about it. Did we Naturally. like this book? What did you think of the book, Colin? I, I did like it. Okay. Um, and I liked it because uh, of two things. So I had some previous experience with the movie and I knew it was horror. And so I was not, uh, I was not expecting anything, you know, very positive or uplifting because we've been in this rut and I've been in right. this rut for a while. <laughs> and then my friend Seth said, Hey, you should go into this trying to find the, the good things and the positive things in it. And, you know, think about it that way. And that, that helps. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> But so you did something. You did find something that you enjoyed. Well, and I was very, uh, I was pleasantly surprised at a different ending from the one that is culturally known. Right. What about you, James? Right. Um, I so yeah, I went into it thinking it was going to be horror, more horror mm-hmm. thriller um, than what it turned out to be. Um, sure. For me, it, it kind of read as a serialized romance novel. With a twist, <laughs> <laughs> boy meets girl. And, boy, yeah, boy gets married it, to somebody it, else. Boy comes back read, to girl. Boy yeah, breaks into girl's house in the middle of the night and carries her off. Right. Yes. Right. Are you totally running for Becky? I'm like down the right. street. I'm like, yeah, this is like you know straight up white knight stuff going on here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it it took me a few days after finish reading it because I was mulling it through my head. I'm like trying to think about you know what do I think of this book and. And that's what came to mind. It was like this serialized romance novel thing. And then it made sense in in hindsight because, you know, figuring out that it had been published serially in Collier's. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I I mean, I think it read, it read well, it read quick enough. You know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like so archaic that I had to like, get a bunch of whiskey shots like Triffids. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I will not hear any blasphemy against the Triffids. <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I thought it was a, it was a good story. It's a good mm-hmm. book. I'm um, just, just not what I expected from being uh, with my familiar familiarity of body snatchers. Right. Probably the same popular culture. Would you say 78 films, 77 film, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that this was one of the things that from the very beginning, right. We wanted to do where, where, People know about Invasion of the Body Snatchers from right. one or more of the movies, but yeah. we felt like, well, have people read that book though? Have they read Planet of the Apes? Have they read yeah, you know, yeah. Farewell to the Master? Um, mm-hmm. And so way back in the day, I actually, I read this. I think it might've been before we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Hang on. I got to know. Uh, no, it was in 2014. So we had, we had been podcasting for a while. So oh. I must've read it in <laughs> anticipation of eventually covering it. <laughs> Back back when I guess I had extra bandwidth for reading stuff, um, but uh, yeah, it's short enough, I suppose. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I, read, I read it in a couple afternoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I decided uh, rather than trying to find an audiobook or something for for this to save myself the reading, I figured uh, this is it's a pretty quick one. You know, I read it mm-hmm. slowly over mm-hmm. the course of a week, right? A couple chapters a night, right. and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun read. I liked it. Yeah. We were in the middle of talking about the plot, and I sidetracked us about what our overall thoughts were. Yeah. One of the things that I, I liked about this, and I mentioned this about the fun things for reading uh, older novels and, and watching older movies, mm-hmm. is the way this this novel opens. Because the doctor is, is saying that he wishes that there was a, a vaccine for measles. Right. And to have something that is so commonplace now, yeah. and, and we're in the middle of this pandemic mm-hmm. you know, for the COVID-19 virus, it's like, yeah, yeah, we wish we had a vaccine for that too. Which we do right. now. It's just which we, we do now. Yeah. We're we're not able to access it quite yet. So no, yeah, yeah. That is, that is kind of funny, actually. And so there were times I found myself wondering, well, if there were cell phones, mm-hmm. would it have changed the plot? Uh, there's a right. there's an aspect of the plot where they're talking to 
a guy with a bunch of newspaper clippings that he's right. been collecting of odd things. Well, in today's world, he'd, he'd be some, uh, you know, basement internet blogger with a YouTube channel. <laughs> <Right>. and <laughs> Yeah. Looking on the dark web. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, in any kind of story like this, where it's, you suspect that the people who look like your friends may not actually be your friends. Um, you kind of have to wonder, right? If you do get out that call to the FBI, is your city last to be hit or first to be hit? Right. So like how, what confidence do you have that people from the outside can actually help? I guess, I guess you just have to go, if people right. from the outside can't help, then we're completely screwed and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So just kill well, everybody. And, bam, bam, bam. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for that small town, just how easy it was for them to control communications. Mm-hmm. They had the operator. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. That's, that's also very different, right? You actually have an, a literal switchboard. And uh, yeah. so, yeah. That he, makes I mean, yeah. it did say that <laughs> there were some numbers that he knew he could just dial directly. Right, but if you didn't know the number, then you had to get connected by an operator. Or well, I think was, they, wasn't the operator like interrupting even those ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dropping yeah. the calls. Yeah, see what he should have done was called the FBI and told them there was commies in town. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this movie and the book are commonly considered to be about uh, the infiltration of communism into an American society. Right. Red scare. Right, but. That's couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, Jack Finney says nope. <laughs> yeah, Jack Finney said nope. nope that's not nope. what I wanted. Yeah. There was a little <laughs> bit of uh, discussion about people who stop appreciating the arts, right? Because um, in addition to not having emotions, they didn't do anything. There was no upkeep. There was no maintenance. There was no drive. Right. 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 There was no motivation. Simply uh, down to survive. Right. Yes. In, in fact, that's one of the beefs I have with the movie. But we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, sounds good. I one thing I liked in the book that I had forgotten about was when. Becky and Miles are holed up in his office, um, which is like the second most obvious place to go. Maybe the third. You know, <laughs> Miles' house, Becky's house, Miles' office, right? Uh, you you got to think right. think bigger than that. Yeah. Um, yep. But he's watching and just trying to figure out what's, you know, what's going on out there. And he sees everybody <gasps> with blue and yellow pins, right? Yes. And they, they, they all all of a sudden they all get out these blue and yellow pins and pin them on. And that's how they can tell if someone's been copied because there isn't any kind of communication, you know, there's no telepathy or anything like that. They, they're doing it all based on the way people look and the way people, the way they (laughs) act. Right. Right. Yeah. Which I wrote down in my notes, curious what they're going to do in a black and white movie for this because blue and yellow pin doesn't really work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they ended up not. Mm-hmm. One thing I really liked about this, and I'd be curious um, what what Emily thought about this too. A little, a little tiny feminist moment where, when they are in the office and realizing they need to make a breakout plan, and uh, Miles yeah. is like, "Look, right. I'm yeah, I'm not a warrior. I'm five eleven, hundred and sixty five pounds. I can't take on four guys." And she's yeah. like, "Um, hello, <laughs> right? I'm here hello. too." And they're going to just expect that I'm going to do the shrinking violet thing that people do in old movies. I um, thought that was actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, um, where she's counting on the instincts yep. of men to underestimate women, uh, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and so for that part in the movie, uh, Emily was like, "Yes, see, I told you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, she was pretty stoked about that part. Given all the, uh, the people- other belittlement of women and sexual harassment and <laughs> everything else. The pe- she- Experience them. Sorry, Colin. I keep cutting. That's okay. You're never going to get to talk again, Colin. (laughs) The people who notice anything happening are kids and women. Right. Not a single patient who is an adult man. (laughs) Right. It it just kind of says, right? Well, I guess we don't pay attention to that stuff. You know, we're guys. Yep. Yep. Well, or or the guys were the first ones taken out because they took out the patriarchy. Yeah, it could be. Could be. That could be too, yeah. Although it makes makes sense. uh, Let me think. They went into it no. in a book, I guess. Oh, fine. Yeah, don't hurt myself, right? Is that <laughs> it? <laughs> uh, where they were talking about, you know, they infiltrated like the gas guys first, right? The gas men that came in. Right. Because they had easy, easy, consistent access to basements. So, you know, right. if they're down there, no one's going to think it's odd, right? And yeah. then they start with start with those guys and serve. It makes sense to start with them and like service workers and work your way up. Yeah. Because the mm-hmm. top, unfortunately, the top people don't really know spot bottom people. Yeah, true. Did you guys pick up on the, oh goodness, Farewell to the Master vibe that was happening in the technology? So in Farewell to the Master, there was, you could reproduce anything by the sounds that it made. Yeah, yeah. Right? And in this, the Mm, the pods are able to sense the atomic ethereal vibrations of all matter, and that's how (laughs) they copy things. Mm -hmm. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, it's funny too, because there, there's the notion of the, uh, the spores going through space on light pressure. And there were, there were, I, I, I I get the impression Uh. there were people at the time who were like, Hey, that's not a thing. It totally is though. It is. If, if you're light enough and have enough surface area. Sure. Yeah. But but even, even like, um, yeah, but, but light does not have mass. Uh, it has momentum though. It has momentum. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but he said explicitly the light has mass in the book. So. Oh, did he? Okay. Well, he did. okay. And I was like, God damn. Uh, yeah, it's an imperfect understanding, but like there's, there's <laughs> strategies for like, if there was an asteroid bearing down on us, right? Yeah. Um, one of the yeah. strategies is to paint, to, to go out there to it with a ship and paint one half of it bright white. Uh, so that, so that it would be, so it would be really? more reflective. And so that yeah. the sunlight would gradually oh, wow. start to move it off course. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. If you think about it, the mass of the paint well, the mass, you'd have to have a lot of paint, so yeah. it, it, it right. should be very reflective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when it faces the sun, then the sun is actually reflecting off of it, and on the other side, it's it's absorbing, and so it changes right. the albedo yeah. and the spin rate and all kinds of things. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, we'll give you that light is very weird. It has all kinds of yeah. odd properties it shouldn't have. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What did you guys think of, what is the mechanism for the pod taking someone over? Because we have, early in the book, when they go over to Jack and Theodora places, sorry, when they go over to the Belichick's place, um, mm-hmm. there's the blank, right? Where it's just, it's not quite defined yet. And I do kind of like that Jack is like, right. I'm, I'm going to let you draw all your conclusions and not tell you what I think. I like that too. Yeah, I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and it takes, it takes miles a while to figure out, hmm, this guy doesn't seem quite fully stamped yet. And they actually use the analogy of, of, sta- right. of, uh, a coin mint, right? Yeah, stamping right. coins. Yeah, yeah, stamping coins. So the pod creates the duplicate, but then how does the takeover actually happen? That's that's what I'm trying to, to suss oh, well, out because it's the, important for the movie. Well, in the in the book, as as it took as it took you over, I guess right as I, it seemed like right as the point where it becomes you. You mm-hmm. disintegrate into this gray fluff stuff. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. You know, how yeah. is it? How is it doing that though? Is there some kind of touch required? Because you do have the scene in the office where mm-hmm. um, Miles realize if I can give them something organic. No, there there isn't no touch required. Otherwise, the skeletons wouldn't have fluffed away. Exactly. Yeah, but they were mm-hmm. right on the other side of the door. Right? Yeah, but they never so touched. There was proximity, at least. Right. So, are you are you asking more into how does the thing get triggered? Like. At what point, at what proximity does a seed need to be? Okay, I see a thing living, and I'm going to yeah, copy because it now. There's the notion that it happens while you're asleep, right? yeah, right. Um, where where you kind of have to to be checked out in order for for it to to take you mm-hmm. over and copy you, and then you just disintegrate. Um, yeah, I, th- I think at that point it's sensing. Well, see, this is this is the part where it doesn't quite make sense because yeah. it, before the skeletons, I was under the impression it was sensing your brain waves which are different while you're sleeping than when you're Mm -hmm. awake. But then the skeletons thing worked. And so that negates the brainwave theory. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the other, the other part that it negates is, you know, we have this notion that here's the one that's trying to copy Jack and it's already Mm -hmm. got a a body that's the same height and, and build as him. Right. And it's ready to take over. Well, so then the pods for some reason didn't know that they should be copying Becky and miles. So I don't know. It, it's like, like the, the skeletons like are red once, herring. Once it pods, starts right? copying something, it doesn't stop, I guess. Like it doesn't yeah, switch. Yeah. Yeah. But then why Miles and, or why Jack and not Theodosia? Yeah. What I'm saying, it's not exactly uh, hard science fiction. <laughs> right. Well, it's not explained well enough mm-hmm. from the story for us to understand. Yeah. Right. If, eventually he does get to talk to a pod person and they explain about how much better life is going to be and why they're really doing this and how he won't mind it after he's copied. And, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything will be that. peaceful, well, right? No, I guess in, no emotions. In reality, it's or I guess so. My my take on that would be that it's it's okay that it's not fully explained because sure. we're we're first of all we're seeing all this from the first person Jack's uh, not Jack, uh, what's his name Miles 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 is point of perspective right point of view, and nobody in the story understands how this stuff works anyway. Right. Right. Except the seed people, which they don't really fully reveal either because. I don't know because I don't want to. I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of in their. It's not in their character to care about knowing. Yeah, I would. I would venture to guess maybe the sea people don't even know because they just don't yeah. care to know. <laughs> they don't care to do anything but survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I guess I'm. I'm okay with it not being explained because the characters themselves never figure it out. It's not. 
Sure. That knowledge is not in the the realm of the book, basically. Right. Well, yeah, we don't have an omniscient narrator yeah. to explain all that. Exactly. Yeah. And and for me, as somebody who you know likes adaptations to answer questions, right, that leaves mm-hmm. it open to to explain oh, yeah. in more detail. Right. Yeah, but they don't. And and perhaps <laughs> yeah, adding to it. What I'm saying is, there may be adaptations that. That are a little True. more rigorous Touché. in that regard. I'm jumping ahead of myself, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We'll find out. We will, yes. On the um, next episode of... Oh, what do you guys think about the ending of the book? And I do want to talk about there's a slight difference in the original. In the Ooh, I like edition. the end of the book, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I like how they... I love the bonfire. I thought that was cool. Although, I my the soil environmentalist in me is like, oh, Jesus. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> oh, dump it a bunch of gasoline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause all that's going into the soil, possibly the ground, the water table. I'm like, ah, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. It was tractor fuel. Yeah. Sometimes sacrifices for the human race have to be made. That's true. Especially when you're yeah, saving true. the entire human race. Yeah. Right. But right. what I did think was kind of odd about that is it took just that one moment of resistance and fire to make the seeds be like, all right, we're out of here. We out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, dude, yeah. seeds. <laughs> on on that note, in the original version in Colliers, Jack actually shows up with the FBI. Oh. You know, the, the cavalry actually comes into town and says, "Hey, by the way, we stopped all the trucks going to other cities." Right. Um, and and so there's a little more interesting explanation about why the aliens would would decide. So okay, more canonicality. For these the humans movie. are really irritating. Let's get out of here. Given our explanation of light pressure. And the pods, you know, sailing off into the sky in the dark. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. That's anti-light pressure. It. It's dark <laughs> pressure. It pushed them up. No light. Yes. Well, Definitely. at that point, they're in atmosphere, so they could make themselves lighter in air and afloat. Yeah. Or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. And meanwhile, all the pod people would just eventually run out. I guess they didn't. They say they only had like a five-year life. Yeah. They, yeah right. Exactly. It'd be oh, replicants. Right. Yeah. They get hunted yeah, down right. by Deckard. <laughs> yeah. So that that's one of the more horrific sto- uh, aspects of this is the pods don't only replace humans, they replace everything. Right. And Cans it, of it peaches. took them a while. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Cans of peaches, for instance. Cans of peaches, yeah. <laughs> uh, it took them a while to figure out that humans were the dominant species. But yeah, after five years, they die and they don't sexually reproduce. Mm-hmm. So they go from planet to planet, destroying all life on it yeah. and then you know going elsewhere. This is what I was trying to figure out. I'm like, what? so are all the trees, have they all been replaced? I mean, Northern California has trees. so And bushes and yeah. grass and, and ants yeah. and bugs <laughs> and microbes. I guess once they figured it out, they were able to communicate it out and say, hey, okay, you guys stop copying trees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the book, didn't it say that after a number of years that, you know, people started mysteriously disappearing and there were, you know, gaps in shrubs and... Yeah, I mean, it, it said right. that, uh, you know, if you went to Mill Valley now, right, you'd, yeah, the death rate was perhaps a little higher and there, there were right, houses yeah, would suddenly that, be yeah. on the market again, you know, but then things went back to normal. <laughs> yeah. And he got to live happily ever after with the fetching Becky Driscoll. Mm-hmm. In the book. In the book, yeah. How about we move on? Let's move on to a movie. Talk about the 1956 movie. Yeah. So, 1956 movie directed by Don Siegel and starring Kevin McCarthy, not the <laughs> house Republican, um, or is he Senate? I don't care. Maybe um, it is house. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> the house majority. Leaders? Yes. Uh, starring Kevin McCarthy and the very fetching Dana winter. It has a rotten tomatoes score of 98% mm-hmm. uh, for critics, 85 for Damn. audiences. So very solid. Uh, the budget was Colin mentioned. It was about 400 K and, uh, it made about 3 million bucks at the box office. So then it was a, Good oh, wow. success. And it's a very yeah. well-regarded movie. Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. The movie has a framing narrative, and yeah. it is not original to Don Siegel's vision. Really? Yeah. Now, let's talk about it more when we get to the end. Okay. I mean, we can talk about the fact that it it's a framing narrative that leads into narration, which I really don't like. The fact that it, it Seth is- loves. Yeah, I don't, I don't like narration, <laughs> but at least this one is- it's set up by this guy's telling a story about something that happened. So, so I'm willing to accept it in that sense, if it was better narration. And when we'll talk more about that um, at some point. Okay. Okay. Largely canonical movie, right, Colin? Oh, I'd say yeah, 75, maybe 80%. Yeah. yeah. Well, right now it's sounding more canonical than the book we read. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Other than the framing. Narrative. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. 
I Kevin McCarthy, the only thing I had ever seen him in was UHF. <laughs> Where he plays, oh, really? <laughs> where he plays the mean uh, R.J. Fletcher, head of the the network affiliate, <laughs> who says, nice. this community means about as much to me as a festering bowl of dog's snot. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I had only ever seen him that. So seeing him as the lantern-jawed hero of the movie was was kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, he was a good-looking dude back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe not quite as good-looking as his co-star, but that's kind of hard to accomplish. Indeed. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's what do we talk about about this? Because it really does adapt almost everything, just you know, with some edits for time. I'm sure, like they don't talk mm-hmm. about the stamping of the coins, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, a loop of exploration and stuff that's dropped, like the, where he tries to find yep. the guy with the newspaper clippings, and where they go to the library. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a, a lot of the that's tuned for time. A lot of the more drawn out stuff in the in the book was eliminated for the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the timing was a bit quicker. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. But like you said, overall, very canonical, except the bloody bonfire. Damn it. Right. Yeah. I missed the skeleton scene. I thought that would be a cool special effect to put in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, but yeah. I mean, that goes back to the budget, right? Um, they yeah. spent uh, their budget yes. on the practical effects for those pods. And uh, with the pods with the bo- bodies cool. popping out. Popping yeah, out you, and you're, you're going to talk about that, right? Yeah. It was awesome. Okay. All right. There's really just the one scene with you know appreciable special effects, and that's yeah where the pods burst inside the greenhouse and mm-hmm. yeah, and they had to take body molds of of Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. and, and Dana Winter. Um, I sent you guys mm-hmm. a picture of Dana Winter with the special effects crew <laughs> showing the oh, mold yeah. that they had just made of her. There's yeah, actually cool. uh, so I noticed when during that scene they had you remember the um, all that foaming that was going on yeah that's actually a real thing uh, I forget what Emily would know what it was called. But that that happened on our some of our uh, our rosemary over the winter, late last fall, I guess. Oh, really? Early winter, yeah. It's a little bacteria that gets onto the plant, hmm. and it, it starts uh, feeding off the. It's actually it's um, parasitic. Oh, and that's okay. it, and that's how you find it is with that foaming. So you'll huh. see this foaming on there. It looks like like soap foaming, or like what we saw on there. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting that they did it that way. I was like, hmm, Paris. I wasn't yes. able to find out how they <laughs> did those effects. I, I assumed that it was the kind of thing where they made something that could be dissolved by putting water on it and then ran it in reverse to show oh, yeah. it, you know, kind of emerging. Like but doing the sure. uh, vinegar and baking sort of thing? Yeah, something like that. That'd be cool. But, uh, but yeah, it was cool. Um I want to talk about the narration because there's stuff like, you know, suddenly I was worried about, about <laughs> Becky. I had to get to her as quickly as possible as, as he's running oh, to yeah. his car in his, in his pajamas. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what running to your car in your pajamas <laughs> implies. You don't need to be I'm, telling I'm sad that. he didn't actually run to the house though. Like, right. come on. He's right there. Yeah. She's right there. Come on. <laughs> I, I was reading a review about the, the movie and it says, then the voiceover comes in. If you make the mistake of really listening to it, you'll notice how useless it is, how it comments on what we're already <laughs> looking at. And worst of all, how it harps on the weirdness to come. Once again, this is a tactic to make the audience feel safe and coddled. Instead of watching a story where the weirdness creeps in slowly, we're told over and over from the outset that something terrible is happening. And that that goes back to some of the yeah. studio meddling here where they felt like, uh, they didn't like the way it ended and audiences were confused by it. And so they, they added the narration and the framing narrative. It it does take some of the, the sting out of the horror because you know how this is going to end. He is right. going to get away. Right. At least. Exactly. Yeah. I guess so. I, I would, yeah. It takes out some of the, like you're saying, like the surprise, the thrillerness of it. If he's sitting yeah. there explaining everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me tell you how, how something weird happened, but I survived. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and then please be excited when I'm, Fleeing the, the horde of zombies, <laughs> right. you know. <laughs> I I noticed in this one they also did a little bit of character consolidation, right? You, we never met Professor Budlong. Um, we, no. and like like you mentioned, Colin, right. right? We didn't talk about the newspaper clippings or those kind of things. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about his theories, right? Because he had written a paper about basically about pod people. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack kind of subs in for him and is assimilated, which is different than in the book. Yeah, I like the moment in the book actually where. Jack was supposed to, or Jack and Theodora were supposed to be meeting Miles someplace at a particular time, and right. in the course of that time, they had been they'd been found out, and so Jack, knowing that he needed to get a message to Miles, drove around town to kill time until he could drive past Miles's place, pursued by the police, to let him know, hey, things aren't okay, get out if you can, 
Which I thought was cool. And that's where they take off up the hill, up the stairs that he yeah. knows because he grew up in the town. And mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for changes in the movie, I did like the mine scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. And and, and I believe that was actually the Batcave. Seriously? From the 1966 Batman. Yeah. Really? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, although that brings up one of the things uh, that was pretty significantly different uh, from the book and, and kind of changes the way that we understand the whole being potted process works. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, right? so let's mention here that, that in the book, they end up, you know, in some fields and stuff. And so Miles has the bright idea to hide in the crop, hide in the fields, right? And cover right. themselves with some some greenery and that kind of stuff. Where in the mine, he put them under some two by fours or two by twelves or whatever they are. Right. When they're being yep. pursued. But yeah, then then they go to to come out of there, and Miles is like, "Here, Becky, you stay here. This is a terrible idea for us to split up." But I'm going to go <laughs> look. Bad move. Um, yeah, yeah. And then he for comes sure. back, and she says, "You know, it happened. I fell asleep, and and right. I've been taken over." And and that does call into question what's the mechanism here? Was she actually replaced? Yeah. Where was the pod? Yeah. Where was the pod? Right. Yeah. Where was the pod? Right. I don't know. Not to mention, it seems like it should take a lot longer than that. It does seem like it, unless, of course, like unless, of course, <laughs> at some point she was taken over, but hadn't fallen asleep yet to have, to have the uh, cash flushed and and uh, you know the master boot record overwritten <laughs> and boot into the new OS. Right? <laughs> Somebody Pod had re- recompiled her kernel while she was sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that part seemed odd to me, and yeah, uh, I don't know why. Th- it's like they didn't need to do it, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I kind of agree. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand how that works, and so it, it makes me go. Ah. Mm-hmm. Does that really work? Uh, whatever. Yeah, head scratcher. Yeah. The other one that seemed kind of weird was the one where they they loaded the pods into the trunk at the gas station. Right. Mm-hmm. So he'd noticed they were back there uh, doing something in the trunk. Well, they asked for the keys, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so wouldn't, wouldn't you notice people carrying pods over to the back? <laughs> they had rearview mirrors, right? D- didn't he go in and make a pit stop or something? But there were other people in there with him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. So, yeah. It's a, it, it, yeah. a little strange. Yeah. But it did look cool when he burned them. It did. Yep. It did. So framing narratives and framing narratives and what it means. And so do we talk about the ending of the movie now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um I mean, I do like the be, even before the mine scene, right after they they break out and and they do the same thing in the book where Becky asks acts helpless or at least just kind of shrinks into the scenery and the men ignore her and then she's able right. to, to give the final hypodermic of destiny and then then they go out there and they do the the, the thing that they've done in The Walking Dead and Shaun of the Dead and other times where they're like hey just act like the other pod people and no one will notice us and then the dog is in danger <laughs> and she cries out and that's <laughs> that's what blows their cover. Right. Which does not happen in the movie. Or in the book. The book. Yeah. yeah, The the, the book, they don't really have that same sense of vague Mm -hmm. eyes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. So the the ending ends with the the framing narrative, right? Well, there's the the kind of more – the way I thought the movie was going to end was with Kevin McCarthy ranting and raving, they're already here, you're next, you know, on the the highway, and having people just honk at him – and not listen to him, right? I thought that's how it was going to end. Oh, you didn't think it was going to go back to them in the in the hospital? Well, I knew it was, but oh, the original okay. ending was, you know, on his face, going, you know, they're here, you're next, and, and oh, it's gonna, right, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, r- yeah. roll the credits, yeah. right? I, I I did like the ending in the hospital, actually. Uh, I, mm. I liked how they didn't believe him until all of a sudden this dude comes in with like, hey, this truck and blah blah blah, and yeah, full of a bunch of pawns, and then the, and then the dude it seemed like the dude in charge. <laughs> I was like, come with me. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> this dude's telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. It's like his, but it's, it, I feel like he got vindicated and that, that made me. Yeah. Yeah. Out. But it's very yeah. convenient, right? It's very contingent. Yeah. 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 Well, so. well kind of like one fire in one field and all the pods right. float up in the air and go away. <laughs> right. But, but again, that's not the original ending from the book. True. The original ending has, has Jack coming in with that. Just with him the on the highway cavalry. was the original ending. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I f- I feel like without the framing narrative and the and the voiceover, uh, it's a much better movie. Yeah, yeah. The, but the it's framing a narrative ending. it seemed like it just seemed like unnecessary. Yeah, mm-hmm. much like most but, framing narratives, I suppose. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, essentially, it, it also tells you studio meddling and focus groups and that kind of stuff. It's not a new thing. Right. Yeah. But they added one of the reasons they added the framing narrative and, and made other changes to the movie was the audience didn't get it. Right. So you think about the change in culture. Yeah, but if you had shown this movie, I don't trust that if you'd shown that movie today, people totally get it. Yeah. Well, but they but might in, they might read into it. Oh, it's a red scare thing because it's in the fifties. Yeah. <laughs> this is about communism. I know how this works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of trivia here. Um, during the course of shooting, Don Siegel evidently broke into Dana Winters' house what? and put a pod under her bed. <laughs> what? <laughs> and the next morning it completely freaked her out. So what is it about people breaking into Dana Wintour's house? I mean, yeah. Kevin McCarthy did it. Siegel did it. Mm-hmm. Although one was That's scripted funny. and filmed and the other one was just right. icky. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, women who sleep so deeply that they can be carried at, you know, a half mile before they wake up. Yeah. She's <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and she's flirting with him in the book. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, there's, there's flirtation going both ways. Yeah. Uh, they both talk about how their lodge brothers having both been recently divorced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Question for you. Uh-huh. What did you think about the scene in the basement with, uh, it, w- it would have been miles and Jack and the other, the psychiatrist guy, Manny. And then in the book, no, 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 no. In the movie, in the movie. Okay. And then comes I, I down. I don't think his name was Manny in the movie. It was something else. Yeah. I don't, I don't I forget his name in the, in the movie, yeah. but it was that guy, his character, mm-hmm. anyway, psychiatrist guy. And then just go, Becky's dad comes down and then you got the cop like poking his head in through the broken window. Right. <laughs> I thought all of that was like a little ridiculous and over the top. I'm like, why is everybody coming through this stupid window on the side? Yes. <laughs> well, it worked for miles, so why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but the cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was it was goofy. <laughs> uh, it's just known in that town that if you really want to talk to somebody, right. you come in through the you go into the basement. <laughs> Well, and that doctors can get away with anything, including breaking windows and kidnapping women in the middle of the night from their father's houses. Oh, right. Of course, because they're doctors. Yep. Yes. We know what's best. When we do the next episode, we'll rank everything. But I think it does yeah. make sense for us to still rank these two. You think so? You think so? Let's try. Yeah. All right. Colin? I, I'm going to go book movie. Okay. Not a surprise for me. Sure. <laughs> uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised by reading the book that it didn't have the the modern downer ending to it right the, the movie does have a lot quicker pace mm-hmm. yeah 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 it, it, it makes me it makes me think too much because you're thinking i'm going well okay so where did the pod that took becky come from yeah exactly <laughs> what about you james i think i'll go with book movie as well yeah yeah. I I think I have to as well, even though I, I really liked both of them a lot. If if yeah. the movie didn't have the framing narrative, I'd probably go movie book. Yeah. Um just because it's a close a close one and two, yeah. right? For for me anyway. Uh-huh. Well yeah. f- for me, one of the flaws of the book is the the kind of ex machina happy ending. Well, we won. Uh, they're they're leaving. And oh, yeah. for, for what oh, yeah. for what reason? Yeah. Um so so yeah, it's it's a close call. I don't know. I'm I'm Right. By the time the next episode rolls around, I might change my mind. So. <laughs> that's, that's well, as, as I mentioned, when we were playing disc golf today, this movie does appear to be in the public domain. You can download it from the Internet Archive. Oh, nice. Which means, Seth, you, you can have what you want. All you have to do is edit that movie and, and re-release it. <laughs> <laughs> right. New improved Invasion of the Body Snatchers. 100% yeah. less framing narrative. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the final cut, where we find out that, in fact, Miles is a replicant. <laughs> well no wonder he wants to chase off the pod people right <laughs> no no he was an android that's why he was immune to the pod people mm. and don't want these pod people horning in on my job here right yeah. <laughs> cool okay well uh this is different guys uh i'm used to I've, I've already got the list of the other movies in my notes here so i'm like okay now we move on <laughs> to talking about the 1978 film but we haven't watched no. it yet so nope. i haven't seen it in years so i'm gonna have to review that one right and is I've that never the one for seven Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Donald Sutherland. And Leonard Nimoy mind. and Jeff Goldblum. What? Veronica Cartwright. Yeah. So we will be talking about that, the 1978 film, the 1993 film, Body Snatchers, and then we'll talk about The Invasion from 2007. If all goes well, we will have a guest, but I won't uh, mention who it is until we actually record that next episode, assuming that he can make it. So Right. Don't, don't count your eggs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
I, I'm still waiting on my my copy of the 1955 novel coming from uh, interlibrary loan. I was going to hand it off to Colin to see if he wanted to compare. But uh, all right, well, I think we're wrapped for this episode. And um, but before we sign off, I do want to let Colin highlight a project that he has recently embarked upon. Yes, I was invited by Dr. Phil Nichols, our frequent guest and friend, friend of the, of the show, show. Yep. to join him on one of his podcasts. Sweet, because he has been podcasting for the last year. Uh, he did. Uh, Bradbury 100, which was all about Ray Bradbury. And now he's moved on to uh, a Bradbury 101 and introduced a new science fiction 101 podcast talking about all kinds of science fiction, uh, what it's about, and the past, present, and future of science fiction. Yes, and featuring Colin Kusky. Co-hosted by me. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I thought it was fun that in the very first episode, you, uh, Phil actually mentioned Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So. <laughs> yeah, so he was reading this uh, nice. just kind of off the cuff, and I'm like, well, turns out we're doing this too. And yeah. uh, I was able to share some things back and forth with him. And mm-hmm. he has you know, incredible cool. uh, depth of knowledge about science fiction that I, I deeply respect. It's been yeah. a lot of fun talking with him. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking forward to, to more That's of that. Fun. So. Nice. so James, now you're the only one of us who doesn't have another podcast. Indeed. Probably have to keep it that way. <laughs> oh, you don't want to start one where it's like uh, alcohol pairings with your science fiction? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Why don't we sign off then? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, th- thank you everybody for listening and um, may the road rise up to meet you and may the book always fall open to where you left off. Bye everybody. Ciao. Don't yes. sleep well. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bye bye to that piece. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put just, just the, um, <laughs> just that in the, <laughs> in the blooper reel nobody ever has to know <laughs> what <laughs> no there's no way i never say anything that dirty <sighs> uh let me try that again okay we're going to talk about science fiction 101 okay wait wait are, are you asking me to talk about it now and giving me that lead in and expecting me to know what to do with it <laughs> uh, yeah i was yeah <laughs> oh that's good to know now and i i will try and pick up that cue and run right with it <laughs> okay <laughs> Let's try that again then. Because what I nice. thought you were asking me to talk about was <laughs> I made that I downloaded. So, but uh, I really don't want that on, on record. I'm, I'm going I'm to put that in the blooper reel and just put one massive censored bleep over everything you said. <laughs> <laughs>